from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. Allah ke fazlo karam se, in intakhabat mein Pakistan Muslim League noon sabse badi jamaat ban ke ubri hai. Nawaz Sharif's victory speech made on Friday the 9th of February may have been cheered by his supporters but there were considerable omissions by the former prime minister the results of Pakistan's national election held on the 8th of February were contrary to most pre-poll predictions which said that a Pakistan army backed Nawaz Sharif was set to comfortably return to power as Nawaz Sharif claimed, the Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz or PMLN party did finish as the political party with the most seats, but by no means was it a victory. Independent candidates, a majority of them affiliated with Imran Khan's non-contesting Pakistan Tehreek-e-Insaf, had the largest number of seats. This despite them not contesting with a common election symbol and Imran Khan being lodged in jail. The Pakistan People's Party led by Bilawal Bhutto Zardari was the party with the second highest number of seats and could form a coalition with Nawaz Sharif and other parties to form the government. But one thing's for certain, whatever coalition government is formed, it won't have it easy. To decode these election results, my colleague Jairaj Singh and I spoke with author and noted Pakistan analyst Aisha Siddika who is based in the UK. Aisha Siddika, who has appeared on this show in the past, is a senior fellow at King's College in London. She's also the acclaimed author of Military Incorporated, Inside Pakistan's Military Economy, a definitive account of the economic power of the country's military. This interview was recorded on Saturday, the 10th of February, when it seemed that a coalition government led by Nawaz Sharif's party would indeed come to power. Aisha Siddika explains why there's a possibility that Nawaz Sharif may have won, but may not even end up becoming Prime Minister. She also talks about what the impact of allegations of rigging could have, what this means for Imran Khan, how badly the image of the Pakistan army has been hit and what this means for ties with India. We started by asking her about the coalition that seems set to be formed. Nawaz Sharif declared victory on Friday night itself and said he'd ally with all like-minded parties to come to power. How stable do you see this government being if it does come through? Well, firstly, I think that it'll be a difficult task to make a government. You know, it's like if wishes were horses, beggars would be riders. Right now, you know, he's very far from being in a position where he could make a government on his own. So naturally, he has to take others on board. Definitely. Another party is the Pakistan People's Party. Now, Pakistan People's Party would probably want three pounds of flesh. Forget about one. The other question is, will it join the PMLN? Because joining PMLN is going to have a cost of its own. Uh, Mr. Zardari, Asif Ali Zardari may be keen, but his son, Bilawal Bhutto Zardari, who is chairman of the Pakistan People's Party, had indicated earlier that he would rather sit in the opposition. So, you know, we're still far away from Mia Nawaz Sharif making a government. And if he does end up making a government, will he be the head of that government? You know, it is assumed and people are speculating that one of the things which the boys want, as the army generals are referred to, they wanted his brother to be the prime minister, a weak coalition headed by his brother rather than Nawaz Sharif himself. 
So, Nawaz Sharif right now is not in the best of positions. So, you actually believe that there is a chance that even if he does cobble together an alliance, it won't be him in power and it will be Shabash Sharif? That is one definite possibility. The Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz are assuming right now that they'll manage to get 20 to 25 um, independents to walk away from their parties or their independent position and, and work with them. Uh, and they're also assuming that the Pakistan People's Party is going to work with them. So let's see. And and there were there were differences between the two parties. They fought contested against each other. Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz almost snatched away victory from Bilawal Bhutto Zardari in Lahore. The other important factor is that what people believe is that the reason PMLN, Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz, sits at around 64-65 is because they've managed to cheat others of their victories in at least, you know, 15 to 20 or maybe 25 seats. So he's really not in a good position. Even before the elections, it seemed that Nawaz Sharif was fairly confident of, you know, becoming prime minister again. Is this question of rigging uh, what was driving his confidence or there was actual belief that he could swing it? I think he just didn't estimate uh, the sentiment of the people. Neither did the military estimate it. I mean, the assumption was, yes, we brought a change in 2018. I mean, the military thought we brought a change in 2018. We're going to bring another change in 2024, and people will accept it. Uh, I think they were not reading into the the change that was brought in 2018, uh, and definitely not what was going to happen. They made some tactical errors. For example, they granted holidays, you know, holiday, uh, public holiday, uh, security reasons. That gave people sufficient time to go to their constituencies to vote. You know, just like throwing deck of cards in air. That's how people's votes were distributed in one given household. If there are, say, five people, almost three of them were sent or in different directions. Uh, so making it difficult for people to vote. And yet people came out and voted with a passion. They were so upset with this army's constant dabbling with politics, they were like, we have to vote. And Nawaz Sharif definitely underestimated his, you know, people's capacity to come out and vote against him. How do you view the performance of the PTI-linked candidates who were there? Uh, why do you think all poll estimates... And like you said, even Nawaz Sharif failed to capture this sort of wave of support that they had, but clearly never made it to the headlines as much as, say, Nawaz Sharif did. I think largely because a majority of the anchors, some were saying 135, some were giving 115 to the Pakistan Muslim League, all of them were basing it on sources. Nobody bothered to go and check there were a few. I mean, for example, Dawn. I mean, uh, you know, I would constantly be reading some of the authors there and 
who were talking about the sentiment on the streets. Anyone who went out and checked and talked to people were mindful of what people were feeling. It's just the top anchors. It's just the faces that we see every day on the television, on YouTube, who were so Nawaz Sharif-minded on Nawaz Sharif's payroll as well, that they didn't mention to him that situation could change. I think more than how PTI-backed, Pakistan Tehreek Insaf-backed candidates performed, I think it's about how people of Pakistan performed. This vote is against the army chief, definitely. And this vote is also punishing Nawaz Sharif for his lazy political behavior. I think it's important to note that this vote indicates that people of Pakistan, like other places in the world, are tired of lazy, traditional patronage politics. The ideology that may be coming up, I would have issues with that. But then I'm not the one to decide. People get anxious when they imagine that there is some post-colonial or a new new imperialist project in the offing. Uh, they get uncomfortable by it. Leaders that make them excited and who keep them on the toes is the new politics in the world. I mean, uh, you can call it Trump, you can call it Mr. Modi, you can call it Erdogan, you could call it uh, Mr. Imran Khan. But the fact is that lazy patronage politics, people have less patience for it. Even before the results began trickling in on the 9th of February, there were allegations of the elections having been rigged. As the results came in on the 9th of February, candidates linked to Imran Khan's party protested about the results being delayed and the shutdown of the internet across the country. By the 10th of February, leaders in the US, EU and elsewhere were demanding a probe into the allegations of rigging. We asked Aisha Siddiq about these allegations and the implications. So then, what do the claims of a rigged election then mean for this result? Do you foresee anger in the streets over the manner in which this election has been handled and the fact that, say, these PTI-linked independents are not the ones coming to power? The allegations of rigging is there has been a lot of pre-poll rigging. So the way in which even the Supreme Court became a party to uh, taking away election symbol from the PTI and the way, you know, polling stations were distributed and and many more things. So there was pre-poll rigging and there was after-poll election result management. Now, that is something which has always happened. This is not something new, but this has happened yet again. And the Election Commission of Pakistan, despite claims that, you know, they had a foolproof system, that everything was you know, perfectly managed. They shut down the internet. They uh, The election results were delayed, creating uh, doubts in the minds of, of, of everyone. Now, what will happen? I think if Mia Nawaz Sharif, the best option for him would have been to, you know, be a gentleman and accept that he, uh, and instead of giving that 
very useless victory speech, admit that, you know, he's not in a position of strength and decide to go and sit in the opposition. He's doing the opposite. Probably the army wants him to go this way. And if that happens, it is going to make people angry. It is going to make people upset. Whether they'll, they'll come out on the streets, what happens next, we don't know. How does Pakistan view the very nature of um, the elections that have taken place, given the kind of clampdown it saw with, uh, you know, with mobile shutdowns, this question of electoral rigging and the delayed vote? How does it impact the electoral process at large? You know, it's rigged elections. Nobody's saying that these elections have not been rigged. I mean, so much of it's massive pre-poll rigging to, to begin with. And then you mishandle uh, announcement of results. I mean, you can give me 10 reasons. Security, you know, internet, technology, this, that, the other. No one is convinced that Elections were not managed. Elections were managed. Yet it does seem as though that there, what's happened is unprecedented, that the scale of it was not as how it used to be. Is that right? No, the scale was high. I mean, 2018, uh, the same thing happened. It's a repeat of uh, what happened in 2018. I mean, in 2018, it was... The Pakistan Tehreeke Insaf candidates who had support of, in fact, they had army uh, men accompanying them. This time it was police in Punjab, which was helping PMLN. So it's rigging. It's just that people's determination to vote in the face of this rigging uh, was at a different scale. We're back in conversation with author, columnist and academic Aisha Siddiqa about the Pakistan national elections. Imran Khan seemed to have won without even contesting the election. He even had an AI-generated victory speech that was released despite the leader being behind bars and having no way of having made the speech. In the speech, Khan claimed that the party had won 170 out of the 266 seats in the National Assembly. We asked Aisha Siddiqa to break down what this verdict means for the cricketer-turned-politician. Although Imran Khan himself was a, a product of patronage that he was, he did enjoy the, uh, the military support, um, he seems to have sort of claimed a, a moral victory of sorts. You know, having not been a presence in the selections physically has become a major one in his, with his supporters winning in large numbers. What um, fuels his cult and and how long do you think they can continue to keep him in jail with this result? You know, Imran Khan is a populist. The military created a populist. You can't kill a populist with a shotgun. I believe that a populist can only kill a populist politically. By April 2022, he was getting fairly unpopular. You know, his own electables were uncomfortable. They were looking around their shoulders to see which party to join. And then, bang, 
they removed him, vote of no confidence. And then, you know, uh, deal with the IMF, International Monetary Fund, economic uh, situation really escalating, oil prices going up because of Ukraine war, you know, one after the other. Everything which brought him back into limelight, had they allowed him to complete his term and get unpopular and people to see that he was unreal, we would have had seen the back of Imran Khan. Now, every step they've taken, they have recreated him. You know, from the sentencing, the way the cases have been uh, decided, the case regarding his marriage. So it has made people unhappy. I mean, women in Pakistan have voted for him because they're unhappy the way they decided the case regarding his marriage. The way his wife's menstrual cycles, her biological uh, makeup was all decided in the court. I mean, not good. This is not something which has made the establishment popular with the people. It has made him popular with the people. And now it's very difficult how they deal with him. I mean, they can't just shut him uh, in behind bars for... Uh, 10 years and 14 years and 7 years, which is what the sentences were. I think they will have to now face problem Imran Khan and find a solution. I would see him coming out sooner than later uh, if a government has to be made. I mean, just imagine, I mean, one one of the journalists, um, senior journalists, Nusra Javed, asked this question. What if these 93, 94 independents, let's assume 10 to 15 are independent, independent, not PTI independents. So they walk away, you know, they join some other party. It still kind of leaves PTI, Pakistan Tehrikin Saf with 75, 78 odd uh, members. So if these members decide to not go and take oath, something crazy like that, it's going to slow down the government-making process so much that, you know, whoever would want to make the government will have to negotiate with the party and with Imran Khan. Also for you, what did the PTI-linked independence, as they've been called, what did they get right in this election campaign, apart from, like you said, the victimhood of Imran Khan itself? Um, is that the only thing for you that you can attribute to their success or is there something deeper than that? I think what one thing which is these elections have proven, you know, before we were uh, all analyzing elections, one of the things we were all, always afraid of that no, no, no. And, and this is, by the way, this is something which both the military establishment and, and, and Nawaz Sharif also, I th- think, uh, depended on. Was it Terry Kinsaf, the, the first time it came to power, 2018, with the help of the military, they can't cobble together an election victory on their own. Uh, they're not much of a party. What they've proven, actually, this time, that they're, it, it is a party which can deliver uh, during elections. So that is something which nobody had calculated. The other thing is that 
the deep unhappiness of the people, especially the youth. 44.6% vote bank was 18 to 35, young voters. They don't want to see traditional politics, number one. They don't want to see military intervention. The passion and the anger for the military. And of course, the one person behind all of that is Imran Khan. Nawaz Sharif started it when he went out of the country and he said, look what the generals do, how they dabble in politics, how they mistreated me. People started to listen. And then Nawaz Sharif backed off. Now that narrative was picked up by Imran Khan and Imran Khan continued to press with it. So this is something which people were very angry about. They're tired of military's constant intervention in politics. It's not something that should have been taken lightly by Nawaz Sharif. The result is also a big blow to the reputation of the Pakistan army, given they were backing Nawaz Sharif. The Pakistan army gets nearly 20% of the country's budget and has always been seen as the real power deciding political outcomes in the country, either directly or indirectly. However, the Pakistan army has been under attack from Imran Khan, who has targeted it repeatedly over his exit and the condition of Pakistan. We asked Aisha Siddiqui what this election result means for the Pakistan army, which, till before the results were declared, was believed to have sorted things out. Just to um, expand a little on the role of military and, and, and this groundswell of anger towards it, it seems like you cannot also have a political formulation without its its hand in it. How do you see politics now progressing when the military is so acutely aware or will come to be acutely aware of how uh, the sentiment against it? You know, I'm reminded of the military in Egypt. The military of, in Egypt, after the Arab Spring, became conscious. They withdrew, removed Husni Mubarak, against whom people had come out on the streets. So they were conscious of the groundswell. But, bang, within a couple of years, they were back in power. But in Pakistan's case, uh, you know, they went into an overkill, pushing May 9th, you know, as something which had happened, challenging the nuclear military of Pakistan and was, you know, something very uh, bad which had happened and people need to be punished and all. It was a complete overdrive. They can either now pull back or... Uh, I think they will still continue to use the, you know, political players, other political players, uh, to buy some more time. I think they are watching, but are they ready to turn away from what the people are demanding? You know, exit from the political role? Not right now. But uh, doesn't it dent their image in a sense where they were believed to be the force behind the Nawaz Sharif, doesn't this result effectively then dent that image as well? And is that a problem for them? Of course it should be. It will also create issues within their own institution. Don't forget. 
there was an announcement which was made soon after and uh, we saw on 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 the papers newspapers that about 80 officers were sacked uh, from the army uh, my reports are that m- many more were sacked we're looking at some, you know a figure over 300 uh, or maybe more so that kind of indiscipline sets in because even you know the populist narrative that the military had created in the form of imran khan even his you know the general's own men believed in it they still do he has silenced many by force will they remain silent for long and will they not make a note of how people have voted he has a problem at hand he has to be much more strategic about it will he be strategic is a big question i know you've said that nawaz sharif is unlikely to become the prime minister but what does this mean for him just a few years back we were being told he's horribly ill here he is ready to be prime minister again but again a very unpopular prime minister possibly what does this mean for his political career from here on no i'm not saying that he cannot be but i think the likelihood of him being a prime minister at this point in time is kind of questionable if you looked at the victory speech i mean all he could offer was patronage telling the youth i mean the youth which came out in droves to vote he's telling them you know we'll give you laptops free laptops jobs i mean he doesn't even have a sense at this stage that this formula has failed has just failed you can't have more of the same he needs to recreate his party pmln at this point is begun to look more like congress of india not having a sense that it has to bring new fresher blood on board he went because he was unwell but you know for 4 years he sat in england uh doing his conducting himself doing his politics and waiting when it was safe enough to return to pakistan the minute it was safe enough he returned fair enough i mean the military in pakistan is very brutal it would have really punished him physically punished him and he didn't want to he didn't have that capacity to take that i mean uh, he was definitely no bhutto but i think this is the time if PMLN needs to really think through uh, its options. Right now, I think he still has uh, enough uh, game left to capture the government in Punjab, if not the government at the centre. I still think that this patronage politics continues. I mean, is working for him in Punjab, the largest province of Pakistan, but. then game needs to to be changed his politics he has to review it he needs to review his how, how his party uh, will conduct itself in future these elections have turned um, it's almost glossed over imran khan's uh, previous term which was riddled with controversy and charges of corruption he's become the man of the match at the moment how do you see um, this very flawed election having a bearing on his legacy 
how do you see things unfolding Imran Khan has to come out being you know he has to be given another chance elections held hopefully free and fair or as free and fair as possible he is become a figure that you can't kill yourself through cases and through match fixing he has to be given a chance to come to power and prove that he can or he cannot govern people in kp i mean khyber pakhtunkhwa province went out and voted for him they couldn't divide them and i've spoken to people they're happy with the developments that you know the the health card i mean people poor people could go and get a free treatment give him a chance and i think give any political party a chance nobody got a chance to complete their term prime ministers once elected along with their parliaments will have to complete terms without external intervention now of course it's easier said than done an army which has been so active in power politics is not going to just withdraw and no matter who becomes prime minister the challenges that the prime minister inherits is is quite sizable in pakistan what do we expect to see if it is this sort of a coalition government which is kind of a patchwork coalition of sorts i think the biggest challenge right now is actually two some one is cobbling a support together and convincing people that you know yes we are the ones who can govern and the other is economy and some very tough decisions have to be taken for example uh, you know retiring public sector assets like pakistan international airlines which still employs a lot of people steel mills pakistan steel mills some other assets if you are going to retire these assets with people losing jobs there is problem at hand then raising taxes the imf would want any pakistan government to commit to raising taxes how do you raise taxes when politically it's not going to be good so this is a very tense moment for anyone they have to be super imaginative like artists like magicians to even even dream about making a government under these circumstances military clamping down military picking up that can happen too political and politically authoritarian militaries can be repressive but that repression comes at a cost and any future government will have to think about it how do you see this affecting india pakistan ties in terms of where it's headed because we've had a very calm relationship in recent times um you know pakistan doesn't even feature in campaign speeches presently in india what does this result mean for ties especially if nawaz sharif comes to power because he and prime minister modi claim to have a great relationship till it went sour you know uh, their relationship has never been sour uh, i think mr modi understands that there are things which were not un, uh, you know in in nawaz sharif's control i think mr modi also has enough experience of pakistan and pakistani military to understand how things play out 
before elections in India and before elections in Pakistan, there were gently some track to meetings happening. And the understanding was that, yes, Pakistan is ready, we'll talk. General Asim Muni did send a message to uh, Nawaz Sharif. He spoke at the Corps Commanders Conference, at the Youth Conference as well, saying that in terms of engagement with India will have to be renegotiated. Uh, it's not going to be that we are you know, very short of resources and therefore for in, in, in order to have trade with India, we'll, we'll compromise in Kashmir. So negotiations will have to, something has to be offered in return. It was almost taken for granted the minute Nawaz Sharif comes to power. And in fact, in his victory speech, one of the things he did mention was that, you know, when we come to power, we will start talks with our neighbors. We'll have peace uh, in a neighborhood, talk to the regional states, improve relations. That will have to take a bit of a, a back step because now a government will have to be made and government will have to be kept stable uh, and ensured. Yes, conversation will India with India will come, but I don't see that happening for at least a year now. Uh, a year and a half. I mean, earlier we thought it would happen quick, quick. Now we'll have to uh, wait. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh and Sahil Gupta. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TOI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, Email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.